We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another edition of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Um, licking my licking my wounds, licking, licking our collective wounds. Actually, that's gross. I don't want to lick anybody. <laughs> Can you not lick my wounds, sir? I don't want to lick anything that has to do with anybody. I don't want to lick any open sores. Oh I mean, God. We're down we're down in the dumps. We're not <laughs> great. It's an exceptional start to the day. Um Hey doing Be- Benji Riddle. Hello, sir. How are you? Hi. Wow. Okay. Uh I'm great and um looking forward to talking about basketball and not wounds. <laughs> That's appropriate start. Um, okay, I was I had a whole thing that I wanted to start with, but that all got kind of shot to <laughs> shit with um, wounds. And speaking of wounds, um, Jalen Brunson apparently is 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 wounded. Oh, man, uh, we got a report from the Knicks about uh, three hours ago. So we're whereabouts? Uh, we're recording this quarter to quarter to eight uh, on Monday night. That uh, Jalen Brunson is questionable with a ankle ailment of, of some kind. Uh, this kind of came out of the blue, although perhaps it shouldn't have given that this guy is tough as nails and probably like a lot of people on this team, I bet plays through a lot of stuff and um, obviously was dealing with, you know, some, some bumps and bruises and things as the year wound down. Uh, you sent out a tweet when you, after the news came down, which basically said that you thought on in looking back at or a lot of his jumpers falling short that like, huh, that was interesting. So I'll just open the floor to you. Like, what are, what are your thoughts that we have this this Brunson news? Yeah, totally a theory. Could be wrong, could be right. Don't know when the injury happened. Don't know how much he was feeling it during the game. I have no idea. So it's really just speculation. I, I It was jarring watching that game and noting that almost all of his jump shots were short, including his free throws. Um, yes, you just couldn't mm-hmm. get the ball over the rim. And to me, I don't think that's fatigue because it started at the beginning of the game and they had a bunch of rest going into this game. So that's not really the excuse. I just thought it was odd and not something I've seen from him before. And perhaps now with this news, maybe it could have been related to just a bit of an unstable 
foundation in his shot with feet and legs not being quite there. I think that's plausible. Don't know if it's true, but definitely think plausible and maybe an explanation for what we saw. I mean, with the caveat that this is not a player that, um, you know, this is not Steph Curry. He's not had a whole lot of games in his career where he's taken a ton of threes. That said, I went back and looked at all of his game logs throughout his career. And I think it's notable he's had, he's never before had a game where he went 0 for 7 from 3. He's never even had a game where he went 0 for 6 from 3. Mm. He's had, I want to say, two or three games where he's gone 0 for 5 and then some 0 for 4. Like, you look in his game log this year, you have to get all, you're pretty far down before you get to like zero makes in, you know, I think he had maybe two 0 for 4 games this year, but he, he shot a ton. So yep. this is, and you want to tell me like, oh, it's playoff pressure, this and that. Eh, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure I'm buying that. Now, that said, he also had an 0 for 4 game against the Cavs in that series. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe this is something that's been bothering him for a while. Who the hell knows? Who um, knows? Does it, does the fact that he's even on the injury report change your outlook for the series? No, because Jimmy Butler's on the injury report and Julius Randle's on the injury report. Like the 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 storyline of the series has suddenly become ankles. And how they heal, which is not as fun as a lot of the different other storylines that could have been coming out at this point. Um, like if Brunson's out and Jimmy's out, Randall maybe play. Like I, there's so many different permutations here of who yeah. plays and how healthy they are. I just don't know how to even comment on it. Like yeah, if Brunson sits for any extended period of time, my sir, my outlook <laughs> certainly changes. Yeah, okay. but the same can be said about Jimmy Butler as well. So we'll see. That's fair. Um, so that's a that's a. So, well, I mean, I don't know what else we could sit here and we could talk about this for half an hour and say, I'm not sure what else that we've already said. I mean, it's like we don't know what is, what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I think it sitting here right now, not knowing which more than we know, it, it it certainly makes me have more general doubt as to what the future may hold in the series. But other than that, I, you know, I don't know what else to say. I really don't. Um this is a good transition to the game that we actually did see and can talk about. Yep. And this is where I was planning on starting with just a very simple question to you. And I think I know the answer, but I'm curious where, where you're going to go with it and feel free to take it any way you want. Do you think this is a game more that the Heat won or, or more that the Knicks lost? Good question. Heat won. That's um, what I thought you were going to say. Because I think that... Other than Duncan Robinson, who I thought was pretty bad and didn't make a shot, um, I thought everybody on their team contributed and played very, very well. Um, Jimmy, I thought, wasn't as aggressive as he sometimes is in these games, partially because of how he was covered, but did his thing. Certainly got his numbers, made his plays on both ends. Thought Bam was excellent defensively and like good enough offensively, both passing and shooting the mid-range. Um, excellent on the boards, keeping Mitch somewhat limited. And then all their role players uh, and just outplayed the Knicks role players in this game. Between Love, Lowry having a tremendous throwback game. He was outstanding. Love with a tremendous contribution when he got in the game. Caleb Martin, I thought, was all over the place. I noticed it more on my rewatch, but he made all the little plays, little tip-out rebounds and loose ball gathering and athletically just made made his mark on the game for sure. He was very, very good, even though he didn't shoot it great. I thought he played very, very good well. And Vincent was super wildly aggressive from the tip. 
Um, and I thought there was a lot of volume there and some bad shots mixed in. But overall, obviously, like, you know, he, he chipped in. What did he have? 16, 17 points on our 20? I think he actually had 20. Yeah. And there, were, there so. was like the one bad shot from the corner where he tried to shoot it over RJ. Yep. It was, it was volume. I think it was on 17 or 18 shots. Like, I wasn't like... Yeah, I wouldn't overreact to the performance of the Knicks, but I do. You know, they certainly the Knicks role players did not contribute in the same way in this game. Um, they were just not as good. And if the Knicks want to win this series, we all thought coming in that their depth was an advantage and that they mm-hmm. had more good players that would be good in this playoff series. And if that's not the case, they're going to have a tough time. Um, so that I thought, no, the the Heat played really, really well. They executed their game plan. They always their coached always coached phenomenally well. They throw different well, looks mean, at you when you don't expect it. Their offensive sets are creative and interesting and keep you off guard. And um, I thought that they won the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was having a lot of trouble. One, because I had two kids running around screaming because my, my wife had uh, Sunday afternoon games. Freaking down, worst. Oh my God. With my wife literally passed out on the couch as I was starting the post game. Um, because she she had she got strep throat, which thankfully she's feeling better now. Oh. Um, it was a day. Let me tell you, it was a day. So I was like trying to like gather my thoughts as all this was going on, and yet even if I had had real time to gather my thoughts about this game, I, I don't know that I could have very well. And I want to focus on Miami for a second, then we get into some Nick's nitty gritty stuff. But like the best that I could phrase it is like. Miami to me is a team that if there's one thing, I think every team that they have beaten over the last, I guess this whole Jimmy run. So it's what four years now, right? Like it feels like every team they beat comes away with it being like, not necessarily like, how do we lose to that team? But like, there's something like we either we shouldn't have lost or we shouldn't have lost like that. Or like, what is it that they're doing? And like, that can't be an accident. Like once a you know once an accident, twice a you know coincidence, three. Th- well, now it's like they've won how many playoff series in the last four years? And if we want to go back further under this coach, now obviously they had LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, and that was a bit of a different story. But there is clearly like they have the ability. The way I phrased it was like they know what you want to do. And they know what you don't want to be forced into doing. And they're going to try to force you into all the things that you don't want to be forced into doing and have to do those things well. And they're just really good at that. And the other way I phrase it, and then I'll throw it to you, is like every NBA team, like nobody's going to make all their shots. Every, you know, there's going to be errors. Like it's not always going to go your way. But in terms of like self inflicted wounds, slash, like, outward obvious mistakes it just doesn't seem like they make very many if at all and it, when you combine that with like the game planning part of what i was talking about before it's like you add it all up i'm like yeah they're a pain in the ass to play and i i just wanted to get your thoughts on that totally no it's talent maximization they do the most they possibly can with the players that they have both by taking care of the stuff that is kind of um talent agnostic which is like don't turn the ball over get rebounds play really hard like did you just you know, think of that yeah but the, the stuff the stuff the knicks are good at too though like they are generally good. like yeah. like it doesn't matter just take care of the things you can take care of on a basketball court no matter how talented you are that's number yeah. one and then two like whoever they do have on this roster and it's kind of a strange band of misfit toys on the team they're all maximized they play to their strengths they 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 they, they 
consciously minimize their weaknesses. Like they're very smart about how they go about it. Like Kevin Love is the perfect example of this. Like a team that gave up on him and bought him out because they just felt like he's not really contributing to what we do. Well, Miami brings him in and says, forget about what you're not contributing to. How can you contribute? What do you still do well? And how can we hide and cover up the things you don't to make you into a significant contributor? Because we know you have some real skills and talent and experience that can be valuable. And like, that's look, Bickerstaff did a really good job with the Cavs this year and he's a good young coach, but like you see the difference right there. It's like you get, you get a player with certain talents and skills. Do you give up on them? Cause they don't fit into what you want to do. Or do you, do you build around him to ensure that his strengths show and his weaknesses are covered? That's like, that's our expulsion. I, I've ne- I don't think I've ever done this on this on this podcast, or not a long time. Certainly never with you, and it has been a long time. I'm going to quote myself from the newsletter that will be coming out at 5 a.m. tomorrow. Here's what Do I have it. written down. Here's what I have written down about Kevin Love. Um, like Lowry, because I'm I was referring to Lowry in slightly the same way, a little bit different because they paid thirty million dollars a year for Lowry, and he was expected to do more. But like even Lowry at this point in what how they're using is like kind of in that you know emphasizing his strengths like Lowry loves game has fallen off and the drop off impacts his ability to stay on the court even more than Lowry because of the position he plays. It almost makes it defensible that Cleveland waved him almost love is one of the savviest guys around. I was referring to, he slipped in to take a charge on heart and it forced the heart turnover, yeah. which then, yeah, there you go. Um, and Miami is perhaps the perfect ecosystem for him. You do what you do and we'll make up for what you can't do. Perfect. Yeah, it's exactly like, right. They're exactly so good right. at this and finding these guys. And then all these undrafted guys, it's like, are they all going to shoot it all the time? No. Like, are they going to go through droughts? Yes. And even yesterday, they only shot 33%. It's not like they lit it up. But like, man, do they fire away with confidence? Um, and they know what they have to do. And they just like, you know, when you turn around, it's like, well, hold on. They got a top 10 guy. They got a top 20 guy and bam. And then this veteran savvy and then these role play. It's. I don't know. The thing that's been getting under my skin the last few days has been this like Miami's not good or we should walk all over Miami or this. I just, I'm like, I hope people are waking up after game one. I, and I, I don't know. Maybe I'm in my own world here, but no, not you can't dismiss a team like that. You can't. Um, and I think, yeah, if anything, it's a wake up call. The Knicks have to play well to win. I think if yeah. they do play well, they will win because I think they're more talented and have assuming health have more weapons when they are on the top of their game and do the things they need to do, which I'm sure we'll get into, but they're going to have to well, do that to win. It's not going to be easy. Let's get into it now because I, that was the other part that was very difficult for me to try to encapsulate this game as soon as it ended, which was this umbrella over the whole game of 20% or 20 point something percent from three. And I, I went, <laughs> I, I, you have to laugh. And I went back specifically and, and really focused in on the, third quarter when I was going back and trying to process this and it's just like you lose count of the and and they weren't they weren't just like threes they were open threes I mean open three after open three after open three and just nothing so like we could we will talk about other things they could have done differently and they you know didn't take advantage of this or whatever but like I don't even know how to process like what what's it's like a chicken or the egg question like how much does the shooting or lack of shooting impact everything else or how much is like the other stuff maybe impact? I don't I mean, I sh- lack of shooting is lack of shooting. I don't know what else there is to say about it, you know? Yeah, I would say two things about it. Um, number one is you got to play your shooters. 
Right. So <laughs> we're getting to that. Yeah. Well, we'll so, get to it now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so to me, okay. So I, I kind of wanted to make this point anyway, which is <laughs> considering all the things that we just said about Miami, what they do well, but their limit limitations, their roster construction limitations, the Knicks should have gone to the series thinking that they were better. And that, Therefore, if they just play the way they've played since the all-star was since the trade deadline where they've been what the second best team in basketball. That really same, was whereabouts, yeah. The same way that they've played since that time, that they should win this series if they execute. To me, starting Josh Hart because you're scared of Jimmy Butler, which is the only reason, assuming that Grimes is healthy. Now you're gonna tell me that they were they didn't think he was fully healthy, maybe. But if he was fully healthy. And the decision was basically, I'm so scared of Jimmy Butler that I'm going to start our best option to defend him, despite the fact that it does sacrifice some of our shooting. And it's not the way that we've played since we've been the second best team in the league. This has been our rotation consistently throughout is that Quentin Grimes starts and Josh Hart's our biggest piece off the bench or with, with quickly our second yeah. biggest piece, piece off the bench. And kind of like the way J.B. Bickerstaff after one game felt like he had to make a significant change to his lineup and basically bench Isaac Okoro and say, we can't play the way we've been playing all year because of one game. There's a certain signal to that that I don't like when you make a massive adjustment that quickly or even before a series starts in this instance. It's like, you should have confidence in what you do. Like, you're not the underdog in this series. So, like, go in the way you've been playing since we were have been an elite basketball team. That bothered me a little bit from the outset. Now, in terms of how that strategically affects the Knicks, well, yeah, if Quentin Grimes isn't playing a lot of minutes, I don't care how he shot in the playoffs, you're losing your best spacer yep. for that amount of time. And the Heat recognized that, and they played to that because Josh Hart was basically ignored, especially in the second half on the perimeter. He shot, what, four or five, didn't make any of them. Yeah, like, Jeff four. Yep. Qu- Quentin Grimes needs to be out there and he shot only one for three he missed two wide open ones in the second quarter also playing a role he hasn't played in a long time off the bench but like i think that needs to change i think that's the first in terms of what you can change about the shooting it's playing your best shooter that's that's number one and then number two is you got it you got to keep you got to keep going to it you can't second i thought fourth quarter they lost faith in it and then it was just like put my head down and drive into three guys while they're ignoring our shooters it's just not how basketball works you're not going to be able to do it you got to start passing out the shooting yeah. It start it started in the third quarter and it reached its pinnacle in the fourth quarter when they only took five threes. And it's funny because they I think they made their first two of the fourth quarter and then uh those were pretty early and then they only took three the rest of the quarter. And actually that's even a misnomer because I'm pretty sure a couple of those were very, very at least one of those, I think maybe more than one, were very, very late when the game was already kind of decided. So like they basically didn't they stopped shooting threes for the, the majority of the fourth. Um, I wonder if they went into it thinking like, all right, you know how we'll make up for it? We'll make up for it with Obi fires away whenever he has a chance. Um, and RJ fires it away whenever he has a chance. Jalen Brunson fires it away whenever he has a chance. And like, you know, we're, I know we're jumping around a bit, but like, so Obi played however many minutes Obi played. I, I, there were he, he fired away. He certainly he, fired he, away. He did fire away. <laughs> and like, I, I again, I, I'm, I'll, I'll cop to it. My, my thing that, I, I, it, it bothers me more than it does most is when I feel like there is a weak defender that is getting targeted and taken advantage of on the defensive end. And as I, as I was rewatching, I was seeing some of that stuff, a decent amount of that stuff with Obi. 
and I'm like, man, I'm asking myself, like, okay, four at thirteen, four or four. Sorry, not four at thirteen, four of eleven, four of eleven, mm-hmm. four of eleven. I was like, is four of eleven worth it? Given, and he did some other nice things too on offense. We should say he, mm-hmm. he absolutely did some other nice things on offense. The shots were just, I mean, they could not have been more open. The the shots, most of them, most most of them, them with with, yeah. with a couple of of a couple of exceptions. Yes, most of them were good shots. Absolutely. Yeah, they were. They were good looks, and I'm just like. Should they have gone with Obi Moore in the fourth quarter? And, and you know, Ob- I didn't see that. And you're shaking no. your head. So okay, right. no, I didn't think so. And I saw a lot of that too. I, you know, I, as much as his shooting was important and helpful, you're 100 percent right. And I actually noticed it more on rewatch than I did on the initial watch. His defense was not very good. Um, he got especially in rotation. Yep, took bad angles on closeouts. Oh my missed. god, there was one on Kevin Love that I wrote about for the newsletter yeah. in the th- early in the third quarter. I think it was Caleb Martin got a layup on a really bad angle on a closeout, um, and then there were a couple times where on drives when he was the weak side, he totally missed a drop, didn't drop to the big, and Bam got a couple layups or dunks out of that. Um, he <laughs> just wasn't he wasn't quite attentive enough on defense. He was a, his head was a bit on it. Look, Miami runs a lot of stuff. They're they're a bit of a unique offense. They're not a very good offense, but they're a very unique offense. And they kind of try to get it. They try to squeeze as much juice out of the talent they have by running a bunch of different interesting, quirky sets that Obi's probably not used to, especially with the amount that he plays in generally. Um, but that was not sharp defensively in that game. He had a couple of possessions where he was really good, but overall I thought was was harmful on the defensive end. So no, I don't think he should have played more in the fourth quarter. I also thought like, Miami was small. They had Martin at the four for for most of that, or, or Jimmy at the four, depending on how you. Um, because love didn't yeah. come back into the game, so they were pretty small. So I had no problem going with hard at the four at that stage. Um, so it's not about Obi playing more; it's about Obi being a bit sharper defensively. But yeah, I like how he was shooting the ball. I think he most yeah. of them were really good looks. If anything, I thought on a couple catches he needed to be more aggressive going to the hoop uh, with guys closing out on him, um, which I think he should try to focus on in game two. Whether whether Randall plays or not, he should focus on it. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about Game Time. Is there an upcoming event you're trying to get tickets to? Whether it be tickets to one of the final home games of the Knicks season, or maybe it's a concert or a comedy show. Whatever it is, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for the fun you're going to have. Currently browsing through the Game Time app and I see all the events coming up in the area. Whether it's the Knicks upcoming games against the Heat at the Garden or the latest Mets and Yankee games on the schedule, the Game Time app is so easy to navigate. You can search by category like sports, music, or shows, or search by teams like the Yankees, Islanders, or Knicks. I have to say that my favorite feature is the full 3D peripheral view you get whenever you select a seat. Just select a seat that's within your price range, move the phone from left to write and get a good idea of the view you'll have during the event. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Game Time is also the fastest growing ticketing app in the country, and for a good reason. 
As I mentioned, get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps and you're set. Tickets are then sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code FILMSCHOOL for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account and redeem code FILMSCHOOL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about Factor. During the spring season, you need wholesome, convenient meals to energize you for warmer, more active days and keep you on track for reaching your goals. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and tackle everything on your to-do list. Too busy to cook this May? With Factor, skip the trip to the grocery store and skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back outside and soak up the warmer weather. Going off script for this next part because I personally can't say enough how clutch Factor has been over the last two weeks. I'm talking Jalen Brunson clutch. I'm talking Allen Houston with four seconds against the Miami Heat in 1999 clutch. Whether it's a huge playoff game followed by a late-night post game, I barely have time to prep and cook anything. So... Every time a post game has ended, I grab a factor meal from the fridge, put it right in the microwave, and in two minutes, I've got my dinner ready to go. The future Mrs. Claudio loves factor as well. With her busy schedule with meetings and writing reports all day, being just two minutes away from a healthy, well-cooked, pre-prepared meal is so convenient. This May, get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered right to your door. Don't hesitate. Head to factormeals.com slash filmschool40 and use code filmschool40 to get 40% off your first box. Again, that's factormeals.com slash filmschool40 and use code filmschool40 to get 40% off your first box. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. I know we're jumping around a lot here, but like the, you were talking about bending to, you know, the 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 aura of Jimmy, the fact that Jimmy is here, yeah. and like we bend to that. And there, I, maybe I'm underthinking this. Maybe there's some more complex answer here that I'm I'm missing. But like on what I define as the biggest three of the game, which was after the Knicks had cut it to what's it two or three in the um, third quarter, late in the third quarter. It was a, or it was three. Um, or was it two? Whatever. They cut it to the, the, sh- the lowest it was after Miami made their push. And then Jimmy drove, pinged it to Struess, who pinged it to Gabe Vincent, and there was nobody near him. And I, I watched that possession a few times. Every Nick defender is within, I don't know, three, four feet of Jimmy as he's driving. And I'm like, well, if you're going to play heart and have heart guard Jimmy because you feel like he's the guy I need. Well, then isn't there a better middle ground where we're not compromising the rest of our defense to such an extent? It, th- that was my thought. That was just one play, but I'm, there are other plays I know where it was, I had a similar sensation in the moment. Yeah, they were, they were helping very aggressively. Um, and I agree. Like if 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 you're playing Josh Hart so many minutes because you feel like you have to match that one on one. And by the way, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. 
if you're going to match Hart there to guard him one on one, then you don't necessarily need all the crazy overhelp and crazy digs and almost all out doubles at times. That play, I think, we were, that you're referencing was a, was an interesting one where I believe Lowry screened for him up top, and then he started and 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 what the way they played that, where Josh Hart and quickly kind of sh- both showed up top, and then he ended up driving around it and getting baseline and starting that whole ping ping until it got to Vincent on the wing. This was four. This was four twenty one left in the third. It was seventy four seventy two Miami. So it was a two point game. And La- no, you're thinking of a different play. This was Lowry wasn't in the game for this, so you must be thinking okay. Of something else. So I'm thinking of a different play. But so so regardless, like they were when they were screening with a guard up top for Jimmy. The quickly was showing a high, and they almost had two on the ball as if Jimmy Butler is Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Now Jimmy Butler is maybe as good as Donovan Mitchell, but he's not Donovan Mitchell. He's not going to pull on you from thirty, and if he does, it's a win. So I'm not really sure why we were covering him with two high. If anything, they should have gone under more screens. That's like the they other were they were giving Jimmy they yeah. were giving Jimmy some runway. Which yeah. even if Jimmy wasn't scoring, was just setting up these sequences where you were getting open threes because you're helping. It's like, man, like make the guy make some jump shots. He only took, I think, three jump shots. He made one on the baseline and he yep. missed one fadeaway and he missed a second one on the baseline. Three jump shots was one for three. All of his points came on crap, which is the stuff that in my preview I said they have to take away. Off-ball layups where we weren't paying attention on the backside. Can't let a transition. Floor balance issues oh where God. he was catching and finishing. Offensive rebounds where nobody put a body on him. And if you don't put a body on Jimmy Butler, he's going to get it and finish. And what's the last one I'm thinking of? And foul shots where you're, we're, we're falling for his pump fakes. Like, like yeah. he, you have to take that stuff away from him. If he is taking fadeaways over you on the baseline and he makes them, you shake his hand. But like, that's what you have to force him to do. And he might have a game where he makes a billion and goes for 45. But the stuff you cannot give him is the garbage points because Miami, that's what they need. They they can't make enough shots. But if you send them to the line enough and you allow them some of those easy ones where you're not attentive enough off the ball or you're not boxing them out, like that's the stuff that kills you. The transition, like the easy stuff that they have to take away going into game two, make him. Make him be impressive, especially on an ankle, obviously. But make him oh. make him go nuclear. You have to make you can't give him the stuff that they gave him in that game. That to me is a tremendous focus going into game two. And Josh Hart, as good as he is one on one with Jimmy, allowed him to do too many of those things. Not the transition, but the other stuff. Yeah. And frankly, like Quentin Grimes is very capable. So that gets me to my other to to, to the initial point, which is like. There was one possession before Hart re-entered in the second quarter where Grimes was on him and there was a screen for him and quickly switched on to Butler and Butler threw the ball out of bounds. And I was like, I watched the four games we played against them. I know Jimmy is different in the playoffs, but like these guys are capable of holding him to a tough jump shot. We're we're, we're overthinking this. Like he's excellent. He can kill you, but you you can't have so much respect that you're compromising things that you're good at. And to me, the Knicks just overreacted to the fear of him, which maybe goes to like Tibbs' relationship with him and how much respect Tibbs has for him, which I get. But I just felt like it was too much of like, we need to stop this guy and change what we do. No, we're the better team. Like we were better in regular season, beat him three out of four times in regular season. Play your game. That bothered me. Like the whole approach was a little bit, 
just put me off a little bit. I didn't think it was all necessary. I don't know if you felt the same way. Um, I didn't know how to feel in the moment. If I'm being completely honest, I, I just because I am not as, I don't have as much confidence as you to rely on like the larger sample size. And I get like, I, you know, you watch Jimmy in the last playoff series. I've one of the best playoff series I've ever seen. And I'm like coming into the series, like, okay, I, I get it, but to me, the, there's a lot of stuff that you're talking about that goes over and above just putting Josh Hart in the starting lineup. And but I completely agree with you. Like, and I've been saying this right along with you for weeks now, which is that Quentin Grimes is a different animal when he is on volume. Like when this guy puts up a lot of shots, and you and he's he can't he can't put up so many shots if he's playing. In 10, 10 minutes. Now, obviously, if Obi is playing whatever he played, 31, 32 minutes and firing up 11 threes in that time, then you're clearly comfortable as a Nick team being like, yep, we're going to we're totally cool with a role player of ours putting up double digit three point attempts in about 30 minutes of game time, which is what I think we'd probably both lo- like to see in a perfect world. Quentin Grimes get or even, you know, 25 minutes. But that can't that did not happen. And I, I I continue to think they're going to need to shoot the ball to win in the playoffs. I was wrong in the first series because they won it <laughs> yeah. despite the fight, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. At some point, you're going to have to make 30% of your threes. It's not asking that much. At some point, you're going to have to have a game where you shoot 30% or more from the three-point line. Ken Grimes is going to be a part of the solution to that. Not He's not part of the problem. You know, one of the reasons Obi got off so many is because Kevin loves guarding him a lot of the game. So you're going to get openings where love is a little slow to close out. But Grimes, even if he doesn't get off 11, there's a spacing element that he creates. There's a gravity that he has because of how quick his trigger is. And I think reputationally, he's an excellent shooter, even if it hasn't always manifested, including in the playoffs. You're going to create space for Brunson. You're going to create space for RJ if he's in the game. So, he, I mean, I just think that's like the first obvious point. I think Quentin Grimes has to play more in the series. Doesn't this also, like... So if when Randall's and this gets back to your larger point, I'm so happy you tweeted out that thing about like it is what should be obvious. If Randall plays, Bam Adebayo has to guard Julius Randall or someone who's not Bam Adebayo has to guard That's Julius right. Randall, which is like, OK, you want to give us that? Take that. You wanna, but if it's Bam on him, then all of a sudden it creates this domino effect of like, OK, well, are you keeping Kevin Love in the starting lineup? I'm assuming you would because are you going to trust, I don't know, Caleb Martin to try to box out Mitchell Robinson and like go down that road? Like you're probably going to keep Kevin Love in there. Like, I still think there's a world where there is a weak or a weak ish defender on Quentin Grimes. Um, if you, if you give more, I, I'll be very curious to see if Tibbs goes back to it. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I'm not sure I have a ton of faith that he's going to. Maybe he'll play him more minutes, but keep him coming off the bench, which, you know, I thought he could have taken some of Quickly's minutes last night, um, uh, yesterday, um, because Quickly closed that game. And look, I yeah. like Quick. We've relied on Quick all year. It just hasn't been a very convincing playoff run so far. And I, you know, there are reasons for that. I don't know. I think the usage could be ticked up for sure. I think Brun- they're, they're asking Brunson to kind of do everything when he's out there with Quick, and I think they could allow IQ. Just a bit more leeway to run stuff and let Brunson play off ball and let IQ kind of get a feel again. But um, he hasn't been very good. He's not shooting the ball well. Um, the only make he had from three was a bank. 
and which was crazy. And um, I thought they could have closed with Grimes. Would have been fine with that. But I also never am going to like begrudge Tibbs for staying with Quick. I think I understand the reliance he has on him. Um, so yeah, whether he starts or not, I think he's got to get more time. I don't think you have to match every Butler minute with Hart. I think that's just overkill. And I, again, we'll see what goes on with the Butler ankle. Uh, That looked pretty serious at the time, but uh, that's just kind of my overarching theme. And it does manifest in a lot of different ways that we talked about, both in terms of the starting lineup change, but also in terms of how you cover Jimmy and how that compromised other parts of your defense. I just think tone it back a little bit and play your game. Don't react to this one guy to that extent. Speaking of the one guy, I I am, I do want to ask you, were you, how, how bothered were you that they did not, or if at all, were you bothered that they did not go with Jimmy on the, in the last five minutes? Yeah, I think they tried to in a few different ways. It's not like they like totally ignored it. They tried to get his man to screen. They went at him once. Uh, they, look, I thought the Knicks offense the entire game, and it starts with Brunson, was just a bit frantic. Yeah. I, I never thought that they were like settled into what they wanted to do. I thought it was a lot of dribbling. Um, wasn't quite intentional enough in terms of who's screening and what they're doing after the screen. Uh, like a few times they like, they just like settled into like a one, five pick and roll where it was Jimmy and bam covering it. And I'm like, I don't think that's where we want to go. We have other weak spots here. Like, I don't want to challenge Jimmy and bam. Um, certainly in the fourth quarter, it was just like, put your head down and go at him with, with no plan. And that kind of carried over. Even once Jimmy had that ankle issue, it was like, they were already, uh, just a bit. I don't know, frantic's the best word I have. No, it's frantic. It was, it, was, it, was just, it was just frantic. Like they just never took a second and figured out what they really wanted to do. So I did think they tried a couple times, just didn't work out. The heat recovered nicely on a couple plays where they tried to go at Jimmy. Certainly wasn't enough considering how bad Jimmy looked. And I also thought in terms of defensively, like they were sticking with him when it was like he wasn't going to do anything. <laughs> and they let other guys beat him. And it was like, Jimmy's not even, we just want to shoot. Forget yeah. about like drive. Uh, so they kind of allowed him to be a successful decoy instead of just like basically ignoring him and p- making him prove that he could play on one foot. So yeah, definitely didn't take full advantage of it. It was unfortunate, but also it's like, it's a very weird situation and scenario that I think it's tough sometimes to just like switch gears on the spot and like start attacking a player that you didn't want to attack for the first three quarters, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, that's, you know, we talk about adjustments all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No question. No, you're right. You're right. I, I didn't get bent out of shape over it because for one, um, I just going back and rewatching the play. I think, I don't think they would have won the game. Um, even if they had, cause I thought they're, some of their def- like you just mentioned it. Some of their defensive execution down the stretch wasn't great either. But the bigger thing for me, and you kind of already hinted at this several in several ways, which is like it was more the what's the what's the I always screw up this analogy. It's more the symptom, not the vi- like the virus was like they were just off offensively all game, and it like kind of culminated in like how they yep. came down the stretch when they were just v- probably more off than they had been the rest of the time. Um, couple more quick things, and we'll we'll finish up. Uh, Mitch was I off a little bit? Um, I don't know. How would you describe Mitch's performance, and what do you think moving forward? Because Hardenstein, Chris Persiani texted me after the game, kind of saying he he wonders if this is more of a Hardenstein series than a Mitch series, while also getting why well, obviously you're going to 
go with Mitch after the series he just had. What are, what are your thoughts there? Two things. I thought that when Vincent kind of dove into his hip on that drive and got a foul call, um, I didn't think he was the same after that athletically or with aggressively. Like I didn't think he had the same energy. Just don't think he was moving very well. He was limping around a little bit. I was a little surprised Tibbs played him that many minutes because I think it was obvious that he was struggling a little bit. Um, Don't get me on a tangent about like how small guys are allowed to just like throw their heads into people's hips because they're small and get defensive fouls called because it bothers me. Um, And the Knicks take advantage of this too. It's not like a... It's not a Knicks point. It's just, this is how the NBA is called. Like that was a crazy play where he basically took Mitch out. Um, and he was and not, was, was not remind me second I, quarter, early second. Okay. I want to say, um, he just wasn't the same after that. Um, that's one. I didn't think he was sharp defensively in terms of his rotations. I thought he missed on rewatch. I really noticed. It. I thought he just missed a few where like he's guarding Bam. And I get that Bam's a good mid range shooter, but if I'm, if I'm Mitch or if I'm T- Tibbs, I'm telling Mitch, you got to help at the rim when Bam's in the game. I get it when they're going one big with love where you're stretched out, but like there's no excuse for you not to be full on help all over the rim yeah. on defense when Bam Adebayo Bam is playing center. So I didn't think he was as sharp rotationally taking away the rim as he was against Cleveland, which was a little disappointing. Um, and then offensively, I didn't look Bam did a really good job. And as we talked about, this might change if Bam has to guard Randall where now he's actually, because you know, even those love outlet passes were more a result of Bam boxing Mitch. So love could get the rebound and then outlet it. Like love wasn't really handling Mitch. It was, it was a box out from Bam that actually kept him off the boards for the most part. Um, I think that changes and Mitch plays a bigger part if, and when Randall comes back and they decide if they decide to put Bam on Randall. So I I do want to keep an eye out for that. It's a Hardenstein series in the sense that the passing may be valuable. Um, the passing may be valuable to kind of break some of that pressure and traps that the Heat are throwing at him. And I thought Hardenstein was pretty good in this game. Better than Mitch probably on the whole, but again, maybe because Mitch wasn't totally healthy throughout the game. Mm. Uh, but, you know, all those variables, like I, I and, and I think Miami's going to hack him. And maybe well, yeah. Cleveland, Cleveland didn't take quite enough advantage of that. Like we're talking about, I think the worst foul shooter in the playoffs now. I mean, he so, missed the free throw by a foot. Yeah, he shot it. He shot it. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And there's no faith in him making free throws. Right. So I just think that's going to be their strategy also is just never let him finish anything, which you have to watch out for and matters uh, in quite in close games. Um, but all that being said, I think he'll be better assuming his hips. Okay. I think he'll be better. And where depending on what happens with Randall, perhaps gets more of an advantage as the series goes on. Yeah. Um, you did leave the door open that you thought there's a possibility they might not put Bam on Randall. I was thinking about different things going into the series, just going back and just trying to rewatch as much as the the games before. Like there was a lot of time that Jimmy spent on Randall uh, throughout the throughout the series, the season, excuse me, throughout the season <laughs> series. So like. I don't know. Would would they do that? I now with Jimmy's ankle, does that impact things? But I, I don't know. I think they. I they, that's a good point because they could put Martin on Brunson and and Jimmy on Randall and feel pretty good about that. That's not out of no. They could do that. They could do a lot of different things. That's why I think they. I think like Bam by the third or fourth game after Randall went off in that in the in the one where he hit the buzzer beater, they did generally put Bam on him. Yeah, not, after, not in every configuration, but they did because I think they were just like he's killing us. But if I were Spolstra, knowing Randall as well as I know Randall watching him every night, like would I try to bait him into post-ups against Caleb Martin every time? Yeah, that's what I would do. And I would keep Bam right where he is. 
Like I think uh, Spolster is not going to play play it one way. I'm sure Bam will yeah. spend time on him, and I'm sure that he'll also try to kind of get Randall in that post up, confuse him with different looks, doubles from different places kind of mode, um, where you're trying to bait him into tough fadeaways and stuff. So, well, here's where I'm at after talking to you for about 40 minutes. Um, I, I <laughs> New York has a lot to clean up, and they yeah. they have a lot to you know, think about and be aware of. And uh, I don't know if you thought it was interesting that today or maybe because it's between games, they wouldn't practice anyway, but like they just, it was a film day. Be curious what that film session was like. Um, Like they still should win this series, right? I I think they still should win the series. And yet, as I say that, you know, you talk about all these things and like, you know, we've, we've both watched basketball for a long time. Miami just, there are a lot of things that we just talked about, like New York needs to clean this up. New York needs to clean this up. And like when Randall comes back, they got to be aware of this and aware of that. And it's like a endless list of things. And just Miami, it's just the, the, the been there, done that. Yeah. Part of it, man. it, It came through, didn't it? Like yeah. you're talking about two champions, Kevin Love and Kyle Lowry, who have played a gazillion playoff games. They've <laughs> yes. been in tough. They've been in tougher series than this one. They've played oh better teams than this one, and they've excelled. Um, and it those two guys playing like that was like actually, if I wasn't like a Knicks fan, and uh, it was kind of cool to see them play yeah. like a throwback game like that, and and show what they can still do, and how experienced they are in these games. And then Jimmy's been in a finals, and obviously he's phenomenal in the playoffs. So. Yeah, this is a tried and tested team, a more experienced team than the Knicks. Uh, and I thought that that was my first takeaway, like right when the game ended. I said, like, the biggest difference in that game was poise. It was just poise. Like, Heat knew what they wanted to do, executed it with more confidence and more shorter hands throughout the game than the Knicks did. The Knicks, as I said, were a bit frantic, lacked some poise. Um, just weren't thinking the game through at all times. And that's not altogether surprising. First time. I, Any of these Knicks other than Brunson are in the second round? Obviously, uh, Derek Rose accepted, yeah, but guys in the rotation? In the rotation, yes. First time any of them. Yeah, man. I mean, so it's different. And that's not altogether surprising for game one. And you just look, you got to, but you got to learn quickly well, and come out game two with a better, with better execution. And that's the thing. And it felt like the Cavs unraveled more not less as their series went on. And you would hope that the same thing does not happen with the Knicks um, because I mean, they do have a series under their belt, but like you get deeper and deeper into the playoffs and it's like, you know, the spotlight gets brighter and brighter. And I do think there is something to be said for, I don't want to say like the Knicks felt like they had the Cavs number, but there in retrospect, I, I feel like I can't say this. It seemed like there was a certain amount of confidence going into that Cavs series about like, okay, we know thing one, thing two, thing three. We're going to be able to do these three things. And they're not going to be able to, like the, the offensive rebounding, like the toughness aspect, the physicality aspect, the we're leaving whoever the hell they want to put over there open. And we're going to let, and if, you know, and like you were just saying, if they, if or Isaac Okoro shoots 40% from three on, on volume in the series, you shake his hand. Well, that didn't happen, you know? And it's like, there was all those things. They went to the series knowing, and it, it worked out well for them. Meanwhile, the Cavs, as soon as the, you know, things started to, to, to stop going their way, it, it threw them. 
Yep. And you hope that yep. this game now that did not go the Knicks way, will they fall the way of the Cavs or will they be like the team that we have seen for now 80, whatever it is, 88 games they've played now, where every time they get hit, they come back up. It's a, it's a, but this is a different type of getting hit. That's And that's, the, I guess, the last thing I'll say is it's like, this is a, I don't know, it's more of a mental hit or so it's something but it's not it's not it's not getting hit like you, you suffer you know a last second loss or something in the regular season right it's not like the dallas game um either of the dallas games really uh but this is something different so we'll see if they could um we'll see what they could do yeah 100 and i like that it was a film day today because i think a lot of the stuff again is like clean up clean up don't let the heat get the stuff that they need to get to win like as i said before like you have to make them make plays don't give them stuff. That's really important. And that's just discipline. And that's staying down on pump fakes. And that's not turning the ball over and not allowing them in transition like that stuff. Clean it up. Make it a game about talent and execution and then do do better than them. That's what you have to do. And like, I think that's a film. That's a film session. Like, that's what it is. And I, and I think they'll come out better for it. Um on the other on the other side. Now, I just hope that I hope the series doesn't come down to to injuries and like how yeah. healthy people are. You know, you want to get the, everyone's best shot. You want the Knicks to be at full capacity. You want the Jimmy Butler to be at full capacity. That's what makes this fun. So I'm just hoping because all the analysis we could have in the end of the day, if Jimmy Butler's out for three games, you know, changes everything. If Randall can't come back healthy and if Brunson can't come back healthy, then it's basically over. So it's let's just hope that we get basketball and this is decided on the court and not freaking on the, on the training table. And uh, that would be, that would be great. So here's the hoping for that. Well said, I've done enough to add, uh, Benjamin Ritholtz, you are a gem as always. Uh, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Let's go Rangers. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I have not watched uh, a lick, lick your own wounds everyone lick their own wounds everyone lick your wounds don't lick everybody else's wounds <laughs> keep your tongue where it belongs okay alright 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 all right. public service announcement <laughs> alright we're out of here see you guys later later alright brother now that was an outro Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.